Hello, welcome back to Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. Now, if you listened to the last episode, you know what we covered wasn't anything involving Adam Warlock, or Thanos, or even Marvel. We covered a DC comic, Superman, The Man of Steel, Annual One. I've joined with a couple other podcasts and blogs, and we are doing an event together this month, which we call Best Event Ever. It's actually the second year in a row we're doing it now. We basically pick an event. The theme is not the greatest of events, <laughs> and we cover it. So the Best Event Ever tag is kind of a bit of an irony. Anyway, last year we did the DC annual crossover Bloodlines, which if you want to hear my part of that, go listen to episodes 40 and 41 of this show. This year, we are covering Eclipso, The Darkness Within, which is a story which ran throughout the DC annuals in 1992. I am covering three of the stories. Last episode, I did Superman, The Men of Steel, Annual 1. About a week ago, on my other show, The Pop Culture Palace Presents, I did the Hawkworld Annual, number three. I was planning on doing this one also on the Pop Culture Palace Presents podcast. However, scheduling and editing and other problems basically means I don't, uh, don't have this episode ready yet. I promised last time this episode would be me and Brian Zeno back covering Captain Marvel 32. It is recorded. I just haven't finished editing that one yet. And when I say I haven't finished editing that one yet, I mean I haven't started <laughs> editing that one yet. Instead, I'm going to do my third Eclipso Annual on this show again. Sorry. Now, if you're interested, links to all the other shows and blogs that are participating in Best Event Ever will be included in the show notes. I encourage you to go check them out. They did some really awesome stuff. Today on this show, we are going to be covering Justice League Europe Annual Number 3. Just in case you haven't listened to any of the other Best Event Ever shows or blogs, or listened to my other two, I am going to include a bit of origin on Eclipso, since he's the main villain, right here. And since I don't feel like doing that over again, because I already did it before, I am just cutting and pasting in the audio from the last episode where I explained it. So if you listen to that last episode, the next three or so minutes are going to sound a bit familiar. Sorry. Probably should give you guys a brief history on Eclipso, since you may or may not know who he is. Eclipso first appeared in House of Secrets number 61, which was had a cover date of December 1956, so he's been around for a while. Eclipso is originally the alter ego of Dr. Bruce Gordon. Bruce Gordon is a scientist specializing in solar energy, and somewhere while doing research, he's attacked by a quote-unquote tribal sorcerer named Moper, Mophir, M-O-P-H-I-R, I'm not sure. And since it's the 1950s, I don't think they ever mentioned exactly where he was. I think to them, tribal was just tribal. Whatever. But anyway, he's attacked by Mofir and scratched with a black diamond that Mofir had. And after that, whenever there's an eclipse, he turned into Eclipso. Not just mentally, physically. There was a purple, like, blue-gray circle covering two-thirds of his face, like an eclipse starting to happen. He'd also gained super strength, partial invulnerability, and eye blasts, and Eclipso was evil. Fully evil. Not just like the Hulk where leave Hulk alone. This is just an evil guy. And from what, I saw, what I've seen, most of the adventures seem to revolve around Eclipso doing something to Gordon's solar experiments. And Gordon and his fiancé's father, Dr. Bennett, his fiancé's Mona, working out elaborate plans to kind of stop him. Or not just stop him, but like elaborate plans to trap him ahead of time that hopefully would work. You know, because they couldn't do it after the fact. All kind of like Rube Goldberg type machinations and tr Silver Age trickery. 
And then at times, of course, Eclipso was used for villains for different DC heroes, including Batman and the Justice League. You know, just a minor league hero, uh, minor league villain, I should say, <laughs> not hero. Oh, by the way, real quick, his name is Dr. Bruce Gordon. Apparently, the creators uh, took the names for Bruce Wayne and Jim Gordon. <laughs> I guess it was a little joke for them, and apparently the editors didn't care or didn't notice. During this story, Clips of the Darkness Within, the first bookend issue reveals that, well, it's a retcon, but reveals that Eclipso was, has been fooling Bruce Gordon the entire time. He's not just some supervillain or curse put on him by us being scratched by the Black Diamond. The Black, that had nothing to do with it. He is the god of vengeance. And apparently, if you are holding the Black Diamond when angry or upset, you are possessed by Eclipso, which is actually what happened to Bruce Gordon. He was just playing the part of supervillain to try and keep him busy with dealing with the supervillain Eclipso rather than actually continuing his experiments in the solar radiation because light, sunlight specifically, is what actually hurts him. Also, we find out that the Black Diamond is not the only Black Diamond. In fact, it's not the original Black Diamond. There was one called the, a giant one called the Heart of Darkness and Eclipso was trapped in it and it was broken up into thousands of little diamonds years ago. And so anyone who's actually holding one of those diamonds, when they become angry, they also become Eclipso. So Eclipso could be like 80 people. The crossover we're doing right now, Eclipso the Darkness Within, was contained in all the annuals from DC from 1992 with the two bookend issues. So it would be Eclipso the Darkness Within number one, bunch of annuals, and then the story ended in Eclipso the Darkness Within number two. And if you want to hear more detail about Eclipso's first appearance, you should go listen to the Parliament of Rooks podcast, episode number four. When I did the other two best event ever annuals, Superman, the Man of Steel, and Hawkworld, I really didn't have to give too much back information. The first one's about Superman. It doesn't really matter where he is in his history, it's Superman. You know who he is. Hawkworld, maybe you don't know, but I mean really much about them, but it's about Hawkman and Hawkwomen. You can kind of get the gist. And if you've seen Legends of Tomorrow which had Hawkman and Hawkwoman on it. Actually, I think she was, this one was Hawkgirl, but same thing. People who fly with ancient weapons. Except in this version, instead of being reincarnated from Egyptian lives, these are alien policemen. But really not much of a thing to get your head around. However, today we are talking about Justice League Europe. You might not have a clue what that is. Just in case, here's a brief overview. DC Comics has been around since the 30s. Superman and Batman and all them starting. And back in 1980, was it 85? They did a series called Crisis on Infinite Earths, where basically they, in the story, wiped out everything that had happened before and kind of restarted. If you started reading DC Comics around 85, 86, you were kind of on the ground floor because they were restarting and retooling all their characters. Because of some recent series that were major turning points for comics in the mid to late 80s, thinking of Watchmen and Batman the Dark Knight Returns, Doing a more gritty, serious version of characters was very popular, and that's what they're doing for a lot of their books. With the exception of Justice League. Justice League was restarted after this crisis, and under the creative direction of Keith Giffen, James DiMatteis, and Kevin Maguire, at least at the beginning, they gave it a bit more of a humorous bent. I mean, there was still action and adventure and serious things happening, but they focused a bit more on the personalities of these people and how they interacted together, sometimes just in their base for the day. How they dealt with each other, how these extreme personalities were able to function together. And it was a lot of fun, and very funny, at times as well. 
and it became quite popular itself. In fact, from the mid-80s to the early 90s, about 90-91, Justice League was almost its own little franchise in DC. And this is titled Justice League Europe is part of it. So after about 24, 25 issues of the regular Justice League series they were doing, it was popular enough to split off and have its own spinoff. The regular title became Justice League America. The spinoff was Justice League Europe, featuring a team taking place in Europe. After about five years, the team that was heading up this humorous Justice League, namely Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis, decided they were done and they left. And the books went back and took a bit more traditional turn for superheroes, although still using a lot of the characters that were being used in the Justice League and Justice League Europe stories before, which were a bit more of the second string character, so to speak. I mean, you had a few main characters like Batman appearing and also uh, the Flash, but a lot of the other characters that were really appearing in there, and this is the reason they became popular, were more struck in second string characters. Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Fire, Ice, Metamorpho, Elongated Man, Captain Atom, Power Girl. So this Just League Europe annual takes place after that period where they were trying to be a bit more serious with them. Currently, at least according to the annual, there are seven members on the team. Plus, we have a past member returning in this annual. At least for this story. So real quick, here's who is on the team. We've got Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas. If you're listening to a comic book podcast, you probably have an idea who Aquaman is. I don't have to tell you. We have The Flash. Again, you know who The Flash is. Now, just so you're aware, at this point, it was not Barry Allen, especially if you're reading comics now only, or you really know The Flash from the TV show. It's not Barry. It's Wally West, who, at least on the TV show right now, is Kid Flash. So that's who's The Flash. We have Green Lantern. Uh, not John Stewart, who, if you watch Just League uh, Unlimited, that's the one you're assuming. It's the one who was before him, Hal Jordan. This is the uh, Green Lantern that was Ron Reynolds played in the quote-unquote wonderful, <laughs> depends on your view, Green Lantern movie. We also have Power Girl. Power Girl, mm, she deserves a whole explanation on her own. <laughs> okay, back when, before Crisis, DC had different Earths, so they can put off like their characters from different time periods. So the Superman who existed in the 40s was different than the Superman they were showing, let's say, in the 70s and early 80s. That original Superman took place in a world called Earth 2. They had a character called Power Girl, which was his cousin. Basically his version of Supergirl, except she's a little older and a bit more... Not... No, what's the word I want to use? I don't use demanding or, or aggressive. Hmm. I'm not sure the best word to use for it. I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Basically, she was not as demure. She was a bit more... She was more upfront. She was more take charge. She didn't just wait for somebody else to tell her what to do. She was a leader in her own right. That's Power Girl. After the crisis, when they got rid of all those parallel worlds, including that original version of Superman, they decided to keep Power Girl, but they had to redo her origin because she couldn't be from Krypton. So, at this point in time, Power Girl is told she is from Atlantis and given powers through mystical means. But basically, she has Superman light powers. We have Dr. Light, who is the second character from DC to be called Dr. Light, this one is a hero, and she's a woman from Japan, and as you can guess from her name, she has light powers. There's the elongated man, who has stretching powers, kind of like Plastic Man or Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four. There's the Crimson Fox, who's a f- character from France, 
because I guess they figured, hey, we're calling our book Just Like Europe. We should at least have one or two people from Europe. <laughs> Radical concept, I know. Um, Crimson Fox, basically, she's a Catwoman, black cat type character in personality as well. Agile, she has claws in her costume, except she has a fox motif instead of a cat one. And finally, there is Metamorpho, the Element Man, whose power is he can turn his body into any element that exists, and also kind of shapeshift his body into different th- different shapes because of that. He is a past member, but he comes back in this annual. Okay, I am going to put links for a picture for all these characters as they look in this annual, as long as I can find them, in the show notes. And this annual is part 16 of the Eclipse of the Darkness Within story, taking place after the Titans annual and before the Batman annual. And at this point in the story, the Flash and Green Lantern have both been taken over by Eclipso, and that's where we start our story. Last year, several of your favorite podcasts and blogs got together to cover one of the greatest comic events ever, DC's 1993 annual crossover, Bloodlines. But it wasn't enough for them to just cover your newest favorites, like Nightblade, Jam, and Shadowstrike. They wanted to do more. This year, they are. In celebration of its 25th anniversary, they will be covering DC's 1992 annual event, Eclipso, The Darkness Within. Join Coffee and Comics, DC Bloodlines, Between the Pages, Pop Culture Palace, Relatively Geeky, Cosmic Treadmill, For the Non-Discerning Reader, Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast, Chris on Infinite Earths, the Retroist, Diana Prince Wonder Woman, and Om the Gun, and learn who gets possessed, who fights back, who will be cancelled, who will die, and who will get their own spin-off. Keep up with the crossover using hashtag best event ever and hashtag Eclipso TDW25 all throughout June 2017. Beware the power of the Black Diamond. Eclipso over London. Plot, Gerard Jones. Dialogue, Will Jacobs. Pencils by Tim Hamilton. Inks, Romeo Tangal. Colors by Gene D'Angelo. Letters, Ken Holowinski. Edited by Brian Augustin. Cover art, Ron Randall. Like the last episode I did, I'm going to break this up into four chunks. So we're going to talk, I'm going to give you the synopsis for the first, right now, 14 pages. And then we'll talk about that a little bit. And then we're going to do that for the next three parts of the story. Okay, so pages 1 to 14. The Eclipse Flash and Green Lantern fly over London with the plan of converting the heroes of the Justice League Europe. However, dawn is coming and they need to take cover until the next night. Meanwhile, the rest of the JLE, Aquaman, Elongated Man, Power Girl, Crimson Fox, and Dr. Light, are in a hotel waiting for word from the British government on when they will be allowed to move into their new castle headquarters. Power Girl gets into a fight with Crimson Fox and Elongated Man and storms out. Crimson Fox also leaves, but in a less pissed off way. She goes to visit her twin sister, who is the head of a major cosmetics firm. When she sees that the company is a major backer behind a film festival, she calls Metamorpho, who she has a thing for, and asks him to come back for the festival as they need an expert on the Three Stooges. Not that the festival was planning on showing Stooge movies, but it works as an excuse to get him to come back. As for Power Girl, she's feeling frustrated and flies to a store and demands diet soda. 
I'll explain in a few minutes. Back at the hotel, the alien Green Lantern, Kilowog, shows up, asking if the JLE is okay. Well, that was the opening for the story. Alright. Beginning, like I said, we have the Eclipse flashing Green Lantern flying over London. And we know that they're planning on converting the Just League because, well, Eclipse is monologuing. I mean, basically the first two pages is them talking about their plan. Which, I don't know how I feel about that. On the one hand, it's kind of ridiculous. Eclipse knows what his plan is. But of course, you know, they have to tell us somehow, so... But on the other hand, since they're both Eclipse, they're talking to each other. But it's the same person controlling it, so... I'll go, I'll let it happen. We have to get that information somehow. At least it looks like they're talking to each other. Even though it's the same Eclipso controlling them. We'll let it go. Now we get that whole tell scene. And I'm not too thrilled here. A lot of the the characters here, for the most part, they seem very stereotypical. Or caricature-ish. It's one thing when you're doing comedy... And you paint people in a bit more of a broad stroke for the comedy purpose. But here, it's not really funny. And they weren't going for comedy anyway. They're going for drama. It doesn't work. Power Girl is not a take-charge character here. Or even headstrong. She's basically the Hulk. Just pissed off about everything. I mean, this entire annual, from by reading this, you're like, wow. Power Girl is just an angry, angry, angry woman. Just pissed off about everything. Crimson Fox... At least gets a little better after this. In the beginning here, the beginning here, they portray as just some kind of like boy crazy girl, almost like the exact opposite of Power Girl. Like they have to only have the two extremes. But at least we get a little bit of a nuance with her later. And Aquaman is just dull, boring here. There's a part where Power Girl saying, "You know, it's right. You are from Atlantis, and I, I found out recently I'm Atlantean. I just never knew it." Maybe I should explore that side of my history. And Aquaman's response is, You should. I guarantee you'll find it quite interesting. Why, the history, cultural, and sexual mores of our people are... And then he's interrupted because Crimson Fox screams, because she's frustrated and bored. And I can't blame her here. Who talks like that? I mean, even a comic. Who's talking like that? Well, the history and culture and our sexual mores of our people are quite fascinating. You would be... That's how you talk when you're a professor lecturing about some si- something else, some other civilization, or one that died out a thousand years ago. Not your own land. An elongated man. When Power Girl and Crimson Fox get into the fight, elongated man gets involved by trying to separate them, using his body, his stretching thing, like kind of like pull them apart and keep them from hitting each other, which I would expect from him. But instead, they kind of imply here, based on what Power Girl yells at him and the way it looks, that he's more, he's doing that also because he gets a chance to grope them. Like, Ralph is not a sexual predator. He's a joker. He kids around. But I don't remember really seeing him as somebody who would, and he's a happily married man. He might even do a joke, flirt back and forth with co-workers for fun, but never serious and never to this level so i'm really not thrilled with that and i can't help but think because i don't know i don't know what has happened recently so maybe it's been found that he has nothing to do with it he was innocent i don't know i need to look this up but gerard jones a couple months ago was arrested uh first for uh, possession of child pornography (laughs) 
And right now, even though he's only doing the plot of this issue, that does color that. So I have to wonder. We also found out, by the way, here that Power Girl, according to, well, as Dr. Light tells uh, the others, Power Girl apparently has an allergy to some of the artificial sweeteners in diet soda, and it causes her to go even more ragey. Which is why when she's pissed off and she's angry that people are telling her what to do later on, she goes to demand diet soda. I'm just in there going, thinking, how much more ragey can she get? I mean, she's already ready, she was already ready to beat the hell out of everybody just because she's bored. This is not the power girl I like. At least Crimson Fox does get a little bit more of a other side to her when she's at her visiting her sister, looking for now. Granted, she's looking for an excuse to get a boy back, which is Metamorpho. But it, considering the fact that Metamorpho is not an attractive person, I mean, he barely even looks human. It at least shows that she has more depth to her; that she likes him, not just because because she's not just looking for a hunk. Which is the implication given earlier on, and even by her sister when they're having a conversation. So that is fine, and I like. I'm amused by her trying to get him back because she sees they're doing a film festival for classic cinema, and she says, "We want. We're going to do. Um, we want you back. We need some expert on the Stooges." And her sister's like, "The Stooges? This is a program of classic cinema." She says they need them because they need. They know no one who understands the subtleties of Shirley and of Shemp and Curly. And although the one issue of Crimson Fox is, you know she's French. How do you know she's French? I am going to read you a balloon of her dialogue. Oh, a terrible crisis, Rexy. We have here in London plans for the evening of classic Street Stooges films, but we have no expert to advise us for these. I mean, it is literally written that way. This is Z-I-S. Three, stu- three is written S-R-E-E. It is comical. I mean, even reading 70s X-Men, Nightcrawler and Colossus were not written with this heavy an accent. I don't know. I mean, is it that, wow, they're really trying to do a speech pattern showing this person actually has a thick accent? That English is her second language and she has a thick French accent? Or is it just bad? I don't know. For his charitable work with the city's underprivileged... His bravery during the Thanagarian crisis, and most of all, for his great help reducing crime in Central City, I proclaim this Flash Appreciation Day. Pages 15 to 29. The alien Green Lantern, Kilowog, fills in the remaining members of the JLE on what Eclipso has been up to, including that he has possessed several heroes including their own Green Lantern, Flash, and Superman. Upset they didn't know about this, they call up the JLA, but are told by Max Lord that the UN has taken over this crisis and told everyone who needs to know. Deciding to ignore that, Kilowog uses his ring to contact JLA member Ice. Unfortunately, Ice is in the shower at the time, but she tells them the UN is worried that each time a hero confronts Eclipso, they end up getting possessed too. Upset about being kept in the dark, Elongate Man leaves to find their liaison with the UN, Catherine Colbert, while Kilowog and Dr. Light attempt to find and return the other members. Crimson Fox eventually does come back, but at that point, so does the Eclipse, Green Lantern, and Flash. Our four heroes, Kilowog, Dr. Light, Aquaman, and Crimson Fox, are able to repel them. Barely. But not before several black diamonds are left behind. Well, this second half of the story is a little better. 
Although, I still have some issues. For instance, okay. The alien Green Lantern Kilowog shows up. Tells them what happened with Eclipso. Now, they had no clue. And the whole point is, because at this point, the Just League worked. They were kind of like a UN-chartered thing, so they can go, uh, hero team. So they can go to any country in the world, because they, work, they weren't just for one country. They were for all of them. That I got. And I get the UN's point that they don't want too many heroes getting involved, because every time one got involved, they got eclipsed, and they kept losing them. I do think they should have told the heroes Just League Europe, because at the very least, they do know Eclipso is looking for them to try and cap, you know, collect more heroes. You gotta at least warn them that this is happening, in case they're just going, Oh, it's my friend showing up! Oh, why is my friend attacking me? You pissed me off! Oh, Black Diamond, I'm eclipsed. You know, at least they're, they're forewarned. However, I can see their point. You know, we already lost Superman and a Green Lantern and Flash and some others. We don't need to leave, you know, lose Aquaman as well. We don't need to lose Power Girl. We don't need, you know, etc. So I could see them being a little annoyed they're not weren't told. I don't see them being as pissed as they got. Again, I have some issues with some of the characterizations done here. On to the point, though, of when they call call up uh, the JLA member Ice and it turns out she's in the shower at the time. Because of his legal troubles, I was kind of painting some of the more sexist stuff in the first part on Gerard Jones. I'm actually going to give him a bit of a pass on here because while Kilowog's filling the te- filling him filling them in about Eclipso and everything, it's only Elongated Man and Dr. Light. Aquaman's not there. And Aquaman comes out after all after all the yelling because he was in the shower too, and he's pretty much naked except for a towel as well. And as Kilowog says, well, at least the nudity's distributed fairly around here. So you know what? Okay. Yes, they showed her in the shower. They're also having Aquaman in the shower. And then once Crimson Fox comes back, we get the fight scene where... Green Lantern and Flash bust in. It is a nice two-page spread where they bust in. That's not bad. And they're able to fight them off barely, because all they really want to do is just eclipse them. So they just, they, they're just they basically running out anyway, because they want to leave the Black Diamonds. I do have a bit of an issue with the art. The art's actually not bad. But... It's very regimented. There's... Full panel borders for every page. Every one panel is a specific size, and for the most part on a page, you can kind of see a pattern of how they're doing them, mostly. So it kind of feels very uniform and not very exciting. Almost scientific-like. There is one page, page 20, where they don't. he doesn't do that. And that's actually a page that's a little better. It's the t- it's the whole thing is the sky, and the top half of the page, top quarter of the page or third of the page, we have Kilog and Doctor Light flying in there because that's when they're trying to attract the rest of the team. And they basically they use their powers to uh, make a giant symbol in the sky that says JLI, trying to get the just rest of the Just League to show back up. The bottom third of the page is Power Girl flying, but in the middle. Because they're talking, because you know we're waiting for sunset for Eclipse to come out. We have these three panels in the middle on top of that, on top of those other panels, showing the sunset. So it's a little. That's a little more interesting. A page. That's the thing is that a lot of the pages in here are very. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's kind of boring. It's not exciting. Not that the art's bad. It's just too uniform. Like too. Too planned. 
I guess I could I guess you could say. I don't know how to say it, but yeah, there's just no excitement. I've asked Gantha to lead us in our pledge. If you don't mind, Appa Ali Apsa, I'd like to give that privilege to our newest lantern, Hal Jordan. Hear, hear. What's the matter? I just learned the thing this morning. Pages 30 to 42. The hotel management show up, complaining about the noise, not wanting them to see the destruction in the suite, not to mention the giant hole in the wall. Crimson Fox goes out into the hall and is able to calm them down. Inside the room, the League is discussing how to examine the black diamonds left behind when Power Girl shows up, crushed soda can in hand. She apparently watched the fight and thought it was funny. She attempts to grab some of the black diamonds, and when Dr. Light tries to get her to wait, she attacks the team. In her rage, coming into contact with one of the diamonds and becoming eclipsed. At this point, she is now trying to kill her teammates. Though I don't think she really needed to be eclipsed for that, she was doing pretty well without. They managed to subdue her and trap her in a cage created by Kilowog's Green Lantern Ring. Meanwhile, Elongated Man finds his wife Sue, along with their UN liaison Kathleen Colbert, and fills them in on what's been going on. Now, out of all the attempted comedy in this issue, the thing I am actually am amused by is the scene with the hotel management upset about the noise from the battle and Crimson Fox basically using her, well apparently, according to what she says here, she has pheromone powers to calm them down and doing it in a way where using her sexuality, you can see it makes them uncomfortable so that they almost don't remember what they were upset about. I'm amused by that one, that's fine. I also do like the part with the black diamonds. Where Aquaman goes to grab them, Kilowog warms him, and they're actually intelligent about it. It's like, okay, we have to figure out what these are before we touch them. Now, Dr. Light does pick them up, but remember, diamonds don't just automatically turn you into an Eclipso. You have to be angry. And Dr. Light is very much a scientist, and she's very just curious about them, but she's not angry. So they're going to have no effect on her whatsoever. And at least Dr. Light's entire issue is portrayed as a, an intelligent woman. She's an intelligent person. They get, you know, her characterization at least is pretty good. Her, I don't mind. But then Power Girl shows back up. Now, the soda can is crushed in her hand to show us she drank some diet sodas and she's going to be more out of control. Honestly, she's not that much out of control than she was earlier. They wanted to show us the effect of the diet soda on her and this allergy to the artificial sweeteners that affects her emotions, it would have been better if they showed her much more level-headed earlier in the issue. So that now, you know, this is a change. Right here, it's she's still just as pissed off and cranky as she was when she left. I don't see a diff I don't see it having really much of an effect on her. You know, she's just as as much of a loose cannon. I mean people complain about the Green Lantern character Guy Gardner, how he was a jerk. Especially back in this day. She's as much of a jerk. I mean, I don't see a difference, really. She wants the Black Diamond, so she's fighting them because of that. It, they're not even possessing her yet. You know, I mean, there's no, and I don't see a difference between her being possessed and not possessed. Now, granted, she is a powerful character, so she does take out the team, which, granted, is only Dr. Light, Crimson Fox, and uh, Aquaman. But Kilowog is able to cage her. The fight scene's not bad. And there's a part where Crimson Fox doesn't stand down when Light wants to shoot her. Because, well, Crimson Fox has had enough of, Kara's, of Power Girl's BS. I just want to take a shot at her. I can't argue with her with that. 
2016. In fact, I think we should record a promo about all the changes to the Fire & Water Podcast Network happening this year. What do you think, Rob? That's a great idea. We can mention the new folks joining the network and all the shows. I can talk about how we'll continue with our Aquaman and Firestorm show. And I want to be sure to plug my movie show, The Film and Water Podcast. What about you, Ryan? Oh, I think we should definitely record a promo. I'll mention how the Secret Origins podcast is joining the Fire and Water Network. And then I'll introduce my newly relaunched shows, Give Me Those Star Wars and Power of Fishnets, The Black Canary and Zatanna podcast. Sound good to you, Chris? Absolutely. I'll mention the show I record with my lovely wife, Cindy, Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast. We should probably also mention the Power Records podcast Rob and I do, too. What about you, Siskoid? Well, sure. I can talk about my ensemble show, The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, and my new upcoming shows about the DC Comics crossover event, Invasion, and yes, Oh Hot Moo. Shag, you think we should mention Hero Points, the most occasional DC heroes role-playing podcast? Sure, why not? And I can talk about Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe, and mention my new upcoming show, Justice League International, Wahaha podcast. Now, here's what I'm thinking. When we record, I'm fine being the first person talking. I can explain all the changes to the Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Why do you get to start the promo? I'm just as much of a part of this as you are. It was my idea to create the Fire and Water podcast back in 2011. I should start off this promo. I kind of think it should be one of the new voices who kick off the promo. It'll shock the listener into attention if it's not Rob or Shag. Cindy and I make up two people in the network. Plus, you know, ladies first, so we should be the first people talking on the promo. Ben voyons donc. You have what? got uh, what? Now, no, French French cannot be the Enough! Stop it. You're like boys with toys. Let's just make this simple. We can tell the folks at home the Fire and Water Podcast Network is growing in 2016. Several new shows are joining the network. We'll have a new dedicated website, a Twitter account, and Facebook page. And folks will be able to subscribe to each individual show or all of them. See, now was that so hard? Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available soon through iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and fireandwaterpodcast.com. Seriously, Shag, you had to get the last word, didn't you? Pages 43 to 56. The hotel staff have returned to complain after this latest battle. This time, Dr. Light attempts to calm them down. However, she is interrupted by a blinding flash of light and a mysterious figure asking her to come with. Elongated Man returns after Catherine is able to get all the info on Eclipso sent over. He is shocked by the state of the room, while Kilowog is surprised that he didn't even see Dr. Light out in the hallway. He goes to check on her, but is met by the same blinding light and requests to come with. Apparently, he does, because Power Girl is now free and abducts Aquaman after knocking him out. Elongated Man and Crimson Fox grab hold of Power Girl and follow, high up into the sky, where she drops Aquaman, as well as the others. Having fulfilled her mission of death, Eclipso is now free to control Power Girl. The Eclipse Power Girl flies away before seeing Annette catch the heroes. Annette called Metamorpho. They wait for the next attack by their Eclipse teammates, but since Eclipso thinks they are dead, it does not come. As the Eclipse Green Lantern, Flash, and Power Girl fly off, congratulating themselves, himself, himselves, himselves, on a job well done. All right, here we go. Final part of the story. Now, when I saw Kilowog going out in the hallway to look for Dr. Light, I realized, huh, Kilowog's the only one who really noticed Dr. Light vanished here. Or cared. In fact, it's never mentioned again. Kilowog's also the one who captures Power Girl. Kilowog's also the one that, tell, you know, that 
mentions, hey, when they go to grab the black diamonds, hold on, you might want to rethink that for a minute to remind them what's going on. Kilowog's the best member of this team. He's not even on the team. He's the best member. He has the most teamwork. He's the smartest. So anyway, Kilowog vanishes. And yeah, we don't see him and Dr. Light again in this ser- in this issue. That This comes back in Eclipse of the Darkness within number two. So if you want to know what's happening with them, go look for who's covering that one. So we get the fight. Power Girl's released. There's a eh, fight against her. She takes Aquaman away after knocking him out. We finally get some teamwork among the other people who are not Kilowog. As Elongated Man grabs on Power Girl's leg as she flies away. And Crimson Fox jumps on his back to fly with him. So the two of them couldn't take him down together. That's our teamwork, finally. And, of course, Power Girl's like, screw you, and just chucks chucks them down. Although the funny part is, I just realized this. So Power Girl drops Aquaman. Crimson Fox jumps to grab him, which is funny, because she can't fly. I mean, maybe she's hoping Elongated Man can grab them both. I mean, I don't know why Elongated Man doesn't just grab Aquaman, but anyway... But Power Girl punches her anyway. It's like, nope, nope, you're going to fall, but I still want to hit you. And then she kicks Ralph, elongated man. I keep calling him Ralph. That's his real name, Ralph, didn't he? She kicks Ralph in the face. And when they all, they all fall until Metamorpho catches them, which is a cool scene. Again, better teamwork by people who are not on the team. And we actually have a fun little scene here. As Metamorpho saves them, and they warn him one at a time, Power Girl's been possessed by Eclipse, so... She's going to want a rematch. Metamorpho says, hmm, maybe I'll turn into an iron umbrella. Green Lantern's also been possessed. Okay, a golden umbrella. Uh, Flash. Flash is a bad guy too now. Okay, I'm going to turn my feet into silicon. He's going to have trouble running on that. Awesome, we're all set. And we got four panels of the four of them just staring up in the sky until finally... Uh, when are they going to attack? <laughs> so that was actually amusing. And then the three eclipsed heroes fly off, all proud of themselves, and thinking these guys are dead. And we get a little subplot leading into Eclipse of the Darkness event number two as well. Uh, throughout the episode, Ralph whined a couple times that they were going to be just hanging out in a hotel. He wished he was back in America. There's apparently a lunar eclipse that's going to be really visible from this one t- area in Arizona that he wanted to go to. Apparently a lot of people are heading there. Like a little, it's going to be like a little celebration. And, well, their UN liaison, Catherine, and his wife, Sue, are looking through the information on Eclipse that they were sent over, they noticed apparently the most amount of Eclipse heroes have been noticed in that area of Arizona, near where that Eclipse is going to be happening. And of course they say, ah, it's probably nothing. Oh, what? What is it? Well, Ralph's been wanting to go to Arizona lately. Supposedly a lot of people are going there to see, view this lunar eclipse. And you're fighting Eclipso. And there's going to be a big eclipse, lunar eclipse. And that seems to be where a lot of your eclipse heroes have been sighted. There's been a lot of sightings of them in that area. I don't see why there would be any correlation whatsoever. None. I remember liking Justice League Europe. And now I gotta go back and look at it again. I mean, from this time period, like when they were, let's say, the numbering got to, like, the 40s and 50s. Maybe I was wrong. Or maybe it's just I was young and I didn't realize. And if I look back at it now, I'm going to go, wow, this book sucks. Because this sucked. This is not worth even a dollar. 
Get this in the quarter bin if you want to, if you're curious. Otherwise, look, all you need to take away from this, Power Girl gets taken over by Eclipso. Done. I offered them a chance for peace, and this is their answer. Please, these things take time. I've wasted too much time already. These are my final terms. Refuse them at your own risk. But your demands are outrageous. They would compromise our entire world defense and economy. Your problem, not mine. I do hope you are all enjoying the episodes. And if you are enjoying it, or if you're not, please let me know. You can contact us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page for the show. Just log on there and type in, well, basically just type in Adam Warlock. And we pop right up. You can go to our Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. Send us a message on Twitter, at AdamThanosPod. And, of course, you can email us, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. And also, if you are enjoying the show, please check out my other podcast, The Pop Culture Palace Presents, located at thepopculturepalace.com. Now, I want to continue on what I've been doing the last several episodes, and I want to thank a few more of the people who have been following our page on Tumblr. So, thank you, Psychotic Superboy, Captain Ivy, Quantum Magician, Cyborg Death Knight, that sounds like a really friendly name, and John A. Dreams 1. On Twitter, episode 61, when I put it up there, was retweeted by several people. So thank you, Rolled Spine Podcast, Chris Sheenan, Reggie Reggie, Between the Pages, Joe Crawford, Jeffrey Brown, and Omda Gun. It was also liked by a few people. 15 Circles slash Comics, Rolled Spine Podcast, Read More Comics, Chris Sheenan, Reggie Reggie, Sakura Fields, Joe Crawford, Chris, Comic Couplets, Chris W., and On the Gun. Is it just me, or is Reggie Reggie really fun to say? Reggie Reggie. Anyway, we also got a couple comments from people on last episode. When I put up episode 61, got a comment from Joe Crawford. Tell me, great episode. Thanks, Joe. On the Gun had a question. He said, I'm sure everything will work out for Starman, right? Um, Yeah. Sure. No problem there. Maybe go read. Um, if you're curious about what happens to Starman, go check out the the links for the other shows and find out who's doing Eclipse of the Darkness of End number two. It's all there. But yeah, I'm sure it's fine. And Chris W. commented saying, Blue-Eyed Phantom Lady. Anyway, if you're looking for other places to find the show, you can also find, I mean, you can find it on iTunes, which is probably where you did find it, but also on Podbean, the Internet Archive at archive.org, and this show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is Radio On Demand, a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the App Store. It's midnight. The podcasting hour. Hello, listeners. It's your friend, PJ Frightful. That's PJ as in podcast jockey. And I'm dropping dreadful new episodes every two weeks. When the clock strikes midnight... The podcasting hour shines a candle on the dark corners of DC Comics. Those supernatural sagas of Swamp Thing, Dead Man, The Spectre, and more. The podcasting hour. 
It's a rotating anthology series boasting the terrifying talents of Ryan Daly, Rob Kelly, Paul Hicks, Ben Avery, Doug Zavisha, and other unfortunate souls. Prepare for the unexpected, open a doorway to nightmare, and enter the houses of mystery and secrets. The moon is full, and the dark spirits are rising. For it's midnight, the podcasting hour. Coming this Halloween, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Beware. I'd like to thank you all for indulging me with my little foray into DC these last two episodes. Don't worry, I promise for real this time, next episode will be Brian and I back on Captain Marvel, issue 32. I swear. Really. Would I lie? Again. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended, or happening, or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. And finally, there is Metamorpho, the elephant, the elephant man.